Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental industry. This is Patrick O'Rourke, your host of Dental Business Radio. And we want to thank you for joining us today. If you do like the show, please remember to rate it what we deserve. And we want to thank our sponsor, Practice Quotient, as a national firm that specializes in PPO negotiations and analysis. And I am thrilled to welcome the folks from Texas. So we have Ted Smith and Philip Allison. This is going to be the Ted and Philip show. All right, featuring these gentlemen that are out of Dallas, Texas, but more specifically, Park Cities. Uh, they are with Park Cities Dental Group, and Park Cities is a bit of a special place, I'm told. Um, Ted, would you like to elaborate? Tell me why Park Cities is such a special place. Sure. Uh, Park Cities is, uh, I mean, it's, it's really Dallas, but it's a, a little bubble right in the, the middle of Dallas, right by SMU. If uh, anybody knows Dallas, and uh, but we're fortunate to have friends and patients that come from all over Dallas and well, really all over Texas. But Park Cities is uh, <clears throat> Philip and I's kids have gone to the schools here in the Park Cities, and uh, are you know we live ten minutes away from the practice. Big fan of the short commute, and uh, so it's, it's a big city, but still got the small town vibe to it in the park cities. Gotcha. I thought, and uh, Philip, anything else to add about park cities? Is there, I would imagine there's pretty cool parks there or am I just being flippant? A lot, a lot of parks, a lot of parks. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's pretty residential. It's small. I mean, I think there's two towns and there may be total between the two 30, 40,000 people, but it's right in the middle of the city. So and we've got our own school district. So uh, there's not a lot of population growth, um, but there are two. We're we're kind of right on the edge of it, and there there's two business centers, uh, commercial centers. Everything else is is home. So uh, our practice is is on one of the major freeways just off of it. So we can draw from this. It's a pretty pretty tight knit community. A lot of uh, you know a lot of referrals from from within because the schools kind of drive the whole place. But then we're right on the freeway. Uh, between the bedroom areas and downtown. So people coming in and out of work, you know, that's, uh, uh, but it's an easy pit stop for them one way or the other. Gotcha. And you guys are involved too in like the civic community or you must be popular because you've won some awards um, that's voted on by, you know, residents in that area on some of the, you know, local publications as a uh, you know, top doc and favorite dentist, uh, uh, D magazine, um, how does that happen? Well, Your you charm, know, charm and good looks. Sure. Oh, well, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think from, from my end, we don't, you know, we don't do, we're general dentistry. And so we really don't do specialist procedures. Um, we've got a great group of specialty, uh, offices that we work with and, and the, a lot of that voting is done by peers. So, we kind of hand it over to to the, the rest of the folks around that we work with. And I think, you know, they, 
they have recognized us and and and, and us them um because it's a dallas is pretty big there's a lot of a lot of dentists up here so um mm-hmm. we, we we try to keep a, a good relationship with with the uh with the specialists i think that helps you know with their visibility but there's got to be other general dentists too that are voting and you guys are still winning that says a lot so this this isn't that necessarily a, a even a patient thing this is a, like a peer-reviewed um awards in some some respects is what it sounds like yeah that the uh Ma- the D magazine is strictly peer-reviewed and that that makes it special obviously when your your peers or colleagues think highly of you that's awesome and, uh, yeah. and like philip mentioned <clears throat> we've just developed relationships and networks with our specialists that are that are great and the patients you know they love going to them and have confidence in them and and they've been right. around 21 years so you just learn over the years and try to just treat people the way you'd want to be treated all right do it do it the texas way um so how did you guys end up becoming business partners so we were classmates in dental school class of 99 we went to uh Baylor College of Dentistry here in Dallas. And then uh, Philip was practicing up the highway uh, a couple miles. And I had two older partners and uh, one retired in 2013 and the other one a couple years later, but in 2013. So we had this opportunity because we'd always been great friends and classmates and buddies ever since. And we were like, makes sense to partner up uh i think philip can speak more about being uh solo and i had the group practice and saw the dynamics that can happen there the benefits of having more than one provider right. in a place and mm-hmm. uh, so it made perfect sense and seven years later it's it's been fun it's it's fun to work with your your buddies it's uh yeah for sure it's it's important partnerships are like it's like a marriage, you know, in a lot of yeah, ways. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, so Philip, it, uh, care, care to expand on that, you know, kind well, of going at it on your own versus the collegial type of atmosphere. Oh yeah. I mean, it, there's a, there's a real, it's a real contrast. I mean, I've seen both sides and, and, and this one, their current setup, you know, probably could, couldn't have happened earlier. I mean, we, we had both, look for other places to 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 practice and you know the the timing just kind of ended up being right i i was in a I, well i've kind of done all of them i i started out i was an employee associate right out of school and then i was a i, I worked to, to man the the office of a of a guy who's uh, who owned the practice but didn't work there after that then i finished out a space started a, a practice uh, from scratch uh, after that that was my when I was ready to go out on my own and I you know I learned a lot about construction not a lot about dentistry uh, about <laughs> six months into it uh, a broker called me said hey I found a practice for you to uh, looking like you know timing was not good because I had just finished uh, installing stuff the carpet was still fresh and said I got this practice but it had patience in it so I said okay I'll buy that instead. Um, you know, these days the stories are of uh, the the new dentists that every stop along their 
path would have been a new practice that they had acquired or started up. I was really just hopping from one to the next. Uh, so I, I sold my newly finished out spot, uh, went over to the, this practice that had been around for several years and, and that's where I really sat. So that was still solo one office, one, uh, you know, I had one of each one hygienist and one high assistant, one front desk and worked there for about 12 years. And, and it's the, everything's got pros and cons, but after a while, I just saw the cons kind of, um, just some of the, based on the growth that I, I wasn't seeing and, and, um, and just the, the other stresses, like you could, you could really fine tune the place when it's so small and, and it run well, but when there's a kink, you know, and your, when your front desk is, is on vacation, and you got to get a cordless phone to answer the phone when it rings or lock the front door because people walk in without knowing it's um, <laughs> you start looking for another way to do stuff. And, um, and that, that's just tip of a very large iceberg of reasons why uh, Ted's uh, practice was it's like, you can't really just go get into a partnership with anyone that's and that's the key so it's not necessarily great advice to just say hey find someone and, and buddy up with them because that part's got to work more than just the numbers and so when when this came up it was kind of like one in a million and it was kind of you know practices say sell, sell under the cloak of darkness the staff is kind of like you know why is everything getting counted and uh what, what are all these phone calls and you can't really be open with it and you can't tell your you know patient base as much. And, and it's like, boom. And I just showed up one day and it was just like they're, they're, the place just exploded that my chairs, my, all my charts, my cotton rolls is all filling the halls. I, they must've been dying when I showed up. So um, it, it, it settled out. It was, a, it was a little bit of a, of a time, but uh, it was, a, it was the path that, you know, that was the, the way it should be. I'm super happy that it happened. Sure. Transitions are uh, tricky. I, I probably have this conversation uh, on a daily basis with folks and they're like, all right, well, I just purchased a practice pass uh, this morning and we need to be uh, credentialed and we want to realize these schedules by Monday. And <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then I have to do, you know, explain kind of the birds and the bees. There's always turbulence in any type of transition. Um, mm-hmm. But let's go back to when you were the solo dentist. I got a kick out of that. So um, locking your door and buying a cordless phone. Uh, they didn't teach you that in dental school. No, no. There were some logistics that were kind of overlooked. And uh, so, yeah, that was, and I was in a strip, strip center. And so, you know, it was fine. I mean, it's sometimes we just get people to come in there and they want a place to hang out for a while. And, um, maybe they're not even shopping, you know, so maybe they just wanted to sit there (laughs) and, uh, I've had grocery carts in the, in the, the lobby of, of the office. And, oh, just, it just, I think it could, I mean, you could, you could, what it needed was growth. And that's the one thing I wasn't getting. And so I would fantasize and say, you know, man, if I, if I get my production numbers to, to, to keep going and get the mix of procedures that I really like, then the place is so manageable. Wouldn't it be awesome? Well, I mean, yeah, it would be, but it just doesn't happen. So I gave it a good college try and, um, and realized that was really about the time where 
where the, the shift from there was Monarch, which I don't know how nationwide they stretch, but it's a, it's a publicly traded uh, uh, group yeah, practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so so that, that was it. There were there were some some kind of interesting approaches to multi like clinics. They're just clinics. You either is this your, is you or is a clinic. And so this was the beginning of people starting to pair up and partnerships and the idea of DSOs and, and all that, uh, where maybe it's not so great to just be you and three other people. Um, and so that was, sure. we all kind of realized it at the same time, like, wait a second, there might be a better way to do this. Absolutely. It's tough. Uh, yeah. when you're an entrepreneur, you're the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, um, you got to answer the phone, lock the door, uh, do all your numbers, HR plus to set the strategy, uh, you know, understand your profit loss and, uh, oh, you guys have to be clinicians too. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's quite the balancing act. So carry the comment on that. Set. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it's just too much work for one person. I mean, so our practice, we've never had an office manager and Philip and I like doing the management on our own. And, uh, there's nothing wrong with having an office manager. I've had some heard stories of some people kind of losing control of, uh, the practice or, you know, you always hear about somebody getting embezzled and stuff that, so they don't have their thumb on every aspect of the business and, to be able to share those labors is uh, those duties is, is really nice. And uh, just economy of scale, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have an associate, um, Philip and I have young kids. I think you can hear my three-year-old running around in the background, but uh, we don't want to work Fridays after 21 years. Most, most people probably aren't going to work Fridays in general dentistry. All the oral surgeons that are listening are probably jealous right now. But uh, right. well, so well, we have nice. an associate there on Fridays. You know, we, we're we not have, jealous on Wednesdays when they're playing golf. Yeah, true. <laughs> we so have a, eleven operatories, uh, so we want the practice to be open on Fridays. So we've always had an associate, and you know those eleven ops are like gates at an airport. Doesn't make sense to yeah just yeah. run a business four days a week and have you know those gates sitting empty on Fridays. Sure, yeah. absolutely. And so, how busy are Saturdays you guys right now? Staff with, would kill us. With, how how busy are you with ten ops? We're we're busy right now. We, yeah, we have wow. a very brisk pace. I mean, the day goes by fast. So we we've just yeah. been blessed to yeah. always be very busy. And so we'll just take one COVID mention. You know, even in the COVID times, um, the interesting thing to me. Uh, I've heard the ADA, I've heard um, several folks that are like, oh, well, it's slowing down and, you know, da, da, da. And, you know, anecdotally, um, that's not happening with our clients. Now, our clients tend to be more established folks like yourself, right? Um, Just by the very nature of our business. And so I talk to them and they're like, we're slammed. You know, we're booking out, you know, six months on hygiene, docs booking out a month. And I'm like, that's too long. You know, um, because there was some pent up demand, but it seems to me, I have a theory, but I'd like for you guys just real briefly on how did you, how are you addressing that? Hmm. You know, I, it's, 
Well, I mean, at first there was the great, there was the great unknown when we were shut down in Texas until May 1st from middle of March to May 1st. And, and so there's a little bit of, of uncertainty as to what, what we're expecting. We really didn't think hygiene would come back uh, at all. We were planning on it, not just being there and um, figured there'd be a lot of dental work to do because we got calls all the time about broken teeth that we weren't allowed to fix. But um, when, when we started up, it was just, it just took straight to the walls. Like we were packed. Um, and that was, it was, it, it was a change. The people that showed up at first, obviously they just, they didn't care. They're just ready to get on, get out of the house, even if it means going to the dental office. And then <laughs> it all kind of evened out. So now we got people, now they are reluctantly coming up, even though they would rather be in, our, in their houses. And so um, between those two groups of people, we haven't dropped off uh, really at all. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's about the same, but like you said, it's an old practice. So we're drawing on a pretty deep patient base. So we're really fortunate to have had that. We, we need more space, actually. So do you, have you experienced um, an influx of new patients for any reason that they feel more comfortable coming to your practice person? because I heard about it from a friend. Like, is, it, is, are you, is your busyness coming from your existing um, patient base or are you getting an influx of new? There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious. Yeah, we're about 50-50. <clears throat> I think we're about 50% uh, individual referral and then about 50% uh, people wanting to stay in network and they'll you know, obviously cross-reference with uh, Google and whatnot. And mm-hmm. So we, uh, we're, we're probably, I think we see around a hundred new patients a month. So that's, a, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, and how much marketing effort, and I'm just curious, I think, you know, the listeners would be curious, like how much marketing effort are you guys putting into that? We, we don't really do a whole lot of marketing. Um, you know, with just, uh, the local schools is really our on the area that we kind of focus in both having kids that go to the schools and, uh, and then obviously you don't have a billboard up with your faces on it. No, no, no. We're still contemplating that one. We can't get the head shot to be just right. So yeah, football stadium and, um, yeah, nothing. I mean, they <laughs> put our logo on a t-shirt sleeve of the local sports, you know, that the, the kids are involved in. Um, but well, that's it. I mean, it, that's it. I, we don't have, I think we have a Facebook page, but we didn't know it. Uh, so I guess people <laughs> check in or something and, um, but none of the other stuff. Uh, but I mean, you could say that we take PPOs and, and we're, we're published on the PPO roster. So, um, we, the people that do come in that aren't from friends, uh, friends, they they see us on PPO fee schedule. I mean, on their you know their company plan, and uh, we'll list that as why they came in. You know that coupled with the location. So I think you got to chalk up probably some of our PPO networks as their marketing cost. Sure, absolutely. I think that in a metropolitan area that's fairly managed, care friendly like Dallas, um, you know, it, PPOs are you know they're not 
they can be quite useful. You know, they're just outsourced marketing costs. And so, they, you know, we need to help manage that cost. Um, you know, I think that there's uh, certainly good partnerships to be had there. It just needs to be equitable, equitable between the provider and the payer. Um, you know, there's no reason why award-winning top docs like yourselves should be taking 50 cents on the dollar. It just doesn't make sense if your overhead 65. Um, you know, that's our philosophy. And Lord knows you guys have heard me probably preach this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for our, just that, that was for all of you out there in listener land, um, you know, for what it's worth. Um, but there, there's not really a one size fits all solution. Um, I, I think you guys are in a, you know, on a scale of one to 10 from your, you know, network participation. I think you're probably solid, you know, solid eight, if not a nine, you know, there, you're not doing any DHMOs, you're not doing any EPS, you're not doing any Medicaid, um, you know, and those are certainly, you know, relevant in the Dallas market. And so you're on good carrier partners that are equitable and allow you to, um, you know, provide the type of care that your patients expect and that they very likely deserve. Yeah. Know, I would think. And, and another, so, like going back to park cities, you know, what, what makes it good? I mean, Dallas in general, the business climate in Dallas is, is fantastic. And, and for most industries and that's, you see the cranes up everywhere and the apartments and the, in the, on the suburbs expanding and, and every day there's a new company relocating and so we we get a lot of new patients from that, and they're they're usually big employers, and so they 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 bring their insurance with them, and then they spread the word in their office, and uh and and you know we're we're on the drive between downtown and and the houses, so I, I think that just really being in Dallas is not a slam dunk for for a company to succeed, but uh but but it's a good place to do business. So and a lot of people are reload. We see patients all the time that. They move in. Used to be locals, and now it's from out of state all the time. And they're they're relocating here because the taxes, the climate. The if they travel a lot, they're centrally located. You know stuff like that. So I think we could we mm-hmm. take advantage of that as much as we can. Yeah, I, I would move to Dallas in a heartbeat. You know, I love Atlanta. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, Dallas. I would I love Texas in general, and uh, but uh, I'm originally from Florida. And so it, I can get back to, to the different coasts of Florida pretty easily. And, you know, Atlanta certainly has its advantages. Uh, I think Georgia and Texas are, are fairly similar um, mm-hmm. just as far as my kind of attitude of the population and open and friendliness. Um, and, you know, I see you guys booming uh, for sure. And, you know, there's do you think that the folks coming from, you know, high tax environments? You know, um, California, I mean, we're getting them from Connecticut, Jersey, uh, all coming down into into Atlanta. Um, not so much California, but definitely um, I, I, if I was in California and I didn't want to pay 12 percent anymore, um, Texas would be a good spot, I think. And so is yeah, there any common? A, I'm just curious. Yeah, we've had mm-hmm. a lot of California companies relocate to the Metroplex. Uh, yeah, I think Toyota, Liberty Mutual, uh, Schwab's Schwab. building a humongous center out in South Lake right now, relocating a lot of their people. A lot of AT and T people moving in from uh, Jersey and New York. Uh, 
Chicago, a lot of Illinois, yeah, California, New York, Jersey, Illinois. So yeah, sure. people are want to get away from the high taxes for sure. Yeah, and the snow, I would imagine. Shout out to everybody up north. Uh, you guys are uh, under some snow right now. I understand. I've been, you know, I take calls from all over the place all week long, um, and I'm like, oh, it's chilly. It's like 50, and they're like, um, it's 10. Right, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's yeah, not good. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, not good. Like, and it's that's not as cold as it actually gets there either, is it? Like, this is just the beginning, and they're like, don't rub it in, Pat. Right, <laughs> you know. Oh, uh, so um, now, Ted, you know, did both of you guys do Panky, or Ted did you just do Panky? We actually did that we, together when the. Uh, couple buddies of ours were brothers in dental school. One was uh, in our class and one was the class right underneath ours. And their dad was a dentist out in East Texas and he had gone to Panky back in the day. And so we, four of us went out there uh, in the early 2000s. What was it? 2001 or 2002? Yeah, 2001. Uh-huh. And so for our, our listeners that are not dentists, and that are not familiar with Panky. And I'm going to count myself as one of them, actually. Um, I, I understand there's some prestige there, but can you guys, in your own words, kind of, um, and Philip will go with you first and then Ted, um, articulate to the listeners what makes Panky Panky? Well, you know, it's, there, when you leave dental school, you you have a you have a foundation, but you you don't really. There are a lot of different directions that you can go, and and um, probably right out of school is is a is a good enough time to go over there. The Pinky Institute is uh, trying to gear you towards a little bit um, on the diagnostic side, trying to get a little deeper into the, the root cause of. of common problems you know with so it's a it's a continuum of classes and you do it over years and they hook you up with a mentor and um it's pretty intensive you're there for a week and it's all day and and um and but it's when we did it found out you know there's a lot of stuff that that was never touched on in dental school and some of it is applicable broadly and some of it i think as you get to the higher levels kind of your practice would reflect your training and um and in that and it's so it's a it's a niche type of practice um that that you know that that you would develop in uh very complete dentistry and and very good i mean i think there's an emphasis on quality and um and and we we liked it i think that we were able to take away some stuff uh we didn't end up going through the whole thing uh you know, in terms of being career students there, but, but it, it's, um, you know, it was, it was a good place to get started. Uh, I think we were good at a good point in our careers when we're open and you want to really learn and, and find a direction. So it, it was good for them. Gotcha. So it's kind of like a higher caliber, um, you know, I like in, they continue in education, but instead of learning how to do a good filling yeah. or a good crown, it's kind of like, how can you take someone who's who has suffered from decades of, 
of, uh, you know, grinding their teeth down and they don't really have a functional bite. How do you, how do you fix that? You know, bigger problems, uh, stuff that you would feel like you need to refer to a specialist. Maybe how do you treat that stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big deal, you know, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, having a smile is important. It's important to your self-confidence. It's important to your self-image. Um, you know, I had a, our last show in dental business radio, Jesse Jakubowski. He was, uh, he said to me, he told me I had a beautiful smile, um, which I, I appreciate his fitting flattery. Um, uh, but while he was telling me about how he could do implants in the same day. And he's like, aren't you coming down to Tampa? I'm like, um, so I, I, I definitely get it. I do. I think that that's, it's killer. Um, especially for anybody that's in the public eye. Um, are you seeing more or less of uh, kind of grinding issues, TMJ issues, jaw? Yeah, you know, especially with the COVID. It's, people are breaking teeth right and left right now with stress. <clears throat> so when we got back in May 1, they were about the last like three or four weeks of lockdown. We were each getting like four or five calls a day of people just breaking teeth and we're up to tell them just got to hang in there and, it's we were just slammed fixing a backlog of broken teeth in may but then throughout the year they're everybody's just so stressed they're breaking teeth right and left clenching and grinding mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's i've really seen an uptick in fractured teeth this year and uh people are just saying i'm grinding going to town i'm super stressed out so it's sure. uh, yeah there's a lot, lot a lot of noise these days you know, for everybody, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it um, sounds cliche to say they're grinding more, but I mean, it's, I mean, the the numbers that we're, the, of the procedure mix kind of really reflects, and we're doing night guards, you know, all the time. It's, it's really interesting to see that. Uh, well, and that, and, and uh, a lot of, uh, I'm surprised that the amount of cosmetic work uh, has gone up dramatically, that Invisalign, um, a lot more like markedly different than say this time last year. And, um, I don't know really what drives that, but, but, uh, people have been asking for that more. It's, you know, some people have said they can do Invisalign because you got a mask on and it's like, who can see it anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, but the goal is to not need mm-hmm. a mask. I'm sure Invisalign would say you didn't need a mask to start with. Yeah. I've had a lot of patients say that they've been thinking about doing Invisalign. And now that they're wearing a mask, they just decided nobody can see that. You can't see them anyway, but I guess that last little hang up, they're like, I'm wearing a mask now. So I just decided to go ahead and get started. So, mm-hmm. and I don't think we're going to be wearing masks forever, hopefully. I mean, right. we've got some positive news just this week, you know, not to get all into COVID, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I think it is a good time, you know, for folks. Um, I've been th- thinking about it myself. And I have had people, I'm known as like the dental dork in my circle right? in my neighborhood or my family, they don't know exactly what I do, by the way. They're like, you does something with insurance and you know, a lot about dentistry. So, you know, people are like, well, what do you think about this? Huh? And I'm like, I'm not a dentist. I don't know. Um, you know, and so they're like, well, is Invisalign good? And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, this, you know, assuming you're, um, 
you know, a good candidate, you got to talk, I'm not a clinician again, but, um, you get to put this in your mouth and you're not, it's not like you're putting these braces on and you're tightening them. Um, and you're having to go back. It's, you know, it's not like that, um, at all. Uh, right. and so is it worth exploring? Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. You know, do you want to make an investment in a, you know, a, another 80 inch TV or do you want to have cool, you know, do you want to have a perfect smile for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, year call so that's that's what i tell folks and then I, you know send them depending on where they're at you know um you know if i somebody was in dallas it'd be like well you need to call ted and hopefully they can fit you in because they're busy um over there but if happen. they drop my name uh, yeah i hope they i hope you guys will fit them in um, mm-hmm. absolutely so pre- pre- room. appreciate that <laughs> vip vip give them a warm blanket uh-huh. or something um so what what other things do you guys do to make your office special? What do you think stands out? Well, we have a good team. So Count and Philip and I, there's 19 of us. Uh, so we've, we've got six hygienists and we mentioned earlier, we have an associate. Uh, so it's a, it's a big team. It's a fast paced. So the day goes by fast and everybody likes each other and gets along well with each other and compliments each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Good culture. And then the schedule is good. So I'm a busy professional. I don't want to be waiting around. I come in, you get me in, you do what you got to do. Give me some nitrous. Tell me a funny joke. Get me out. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's almost like we're not really trying that hard to craft the experience. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of other things like massages or um, like a menu of really anything. There's not TVs to look at. Uh, it's it's just pretty straightforward. Like, really, people are coming there to get their teeth fixed. They don't really want the spa effect. And, or some people do. And, and then, you know, they try us out and they go somewhere else because there are some great practices that, that do stuff like that. But we just kind of were mindful of your time. We don't run late, although we're super busy. We, we, I think we got the scheduling down pretty well. So you're not sitting in the waiting room and, um, you just come in there and yeah, like Ted said, the, the culture reflects, I mean, you can always hear people. There's a lot of chatter, a lot of laughter because the ops are pretty close. It's cozy. And, um, so you can hear a lot of stuff going on and, um, and you can, you know, when you go into a, a, a medical office and you can tell like there's some unhappiness going on, they're kind of sulky or kind of you can just tell the mood is not good the mood's usually Feel pretty attention. good yeah and and so with just between doing that and just getting a minute out i mean it's it it is uh it, it, it's sort of a relief uh to not have to feel like we got to lean on you know selling extra products or 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 the or the decor which we do try a little bit on that um just to you know we just want to have a solid uh, product Right. Absolutely. Do a quality job. And then, you know, people feel um, safe. They trust you guys. And then they refer to, you know, their friends, family, you know, church congregation, et cetera. And it's obviously working out quite well for you. Um, You know, as a business owner, you know, myself, sometimes it's just like you got to keep it simple. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's about just, you, do, you know, but say what you're going to you know do what you say and, and that's it. And you know, one foot for the other, do a quality job and, and keep it basic and just be really, really good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's some of my advice sometimes to to other folks that are you know just starting a business in our industry or out really um so what what are some of the uh business challenges that you guys have overcome that maybe you would like to to share some tips or insights with some of our younger um, audience members or, you know, folks that are in dental school or about to graduate or just graduated. I, I, I think the group model is our recipe for success. I really do. Uh, you know, if I need to take a vacation and I, we don't have to close the whole shop down, you know, Philip needs to go on vacation. I can hold the fort down. Uh, being able to divide the duties and labors of running a business. Uh, so I, I would say to a young person, and Philip alluded, you can't just get into a partnership with anybody, but the right partnership in a, uh, in a group setting, I kind of see being the, the future of dentistry. I think the, the days of the solo practitioner are probably behind us. It's just such a high overhead business and, uh, a lot of work. You got more and more regulations every year. So if uh, mm-hmm. I, I would, you know, instead of somebody just starting from scratch, I would I would try to recommend to them to maybe consider a, a group practice situation if it's the right setup mm-hmm. for them. And and when you uh, uh, oh go ahead go ahead Ted. Well, I think the other thing that helps our practice is that, so we're conservative. And people like that. We like conservative treatment ourselves when we see medical or dental professionals. And uh, <clears throat> word of mouth, conservative works. That's what people want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So, Philip, do you recommend trying out like five different models before they settle? Well, just call me and I can tell you what uh, which ones to skip. <laughs> and uh, I'll save you some time. Because, um, you know, I think that the hardest part when you first start out is, um, you you know, when you, let's say you got one of each, a front desk, hygienist, and assistant, and it, it when do you add someone else? Like, when do you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to finish out another room and I'm going to add an assistant. And that's going to be X dollars for, uh, for supply, for equipment. And then, uh, my, my payroll is going to go by this and, or say, or a hygienist. Uh, I've got this many patients because, you know, when you add that next hygienist there, that's a big jump in your payroll. And so I think that, you know, and with me, especially just being kind of timid about when to, if you want to grow, you really, you kind of grow in, if you're growing organically, uh, just from, from your location, you kind of have to throw it out there first and then grow to it. You got to in have a staff increase and then grow to it. You know, you can't really just wait till you're overcrowded and suffering to finally throw in staff. So, you know, growth is hard. It, it, there's a risk tolerance that you got to accept or else it's never going to happen. So if you're real timid, um, you're going to have a hard time meeting your goals. So to that point, I think that there's a lot to be said for finding a practice that's a target and, and growing by acquisition rather than just finding a new ad campaign and, and, you know, just marketing yourself out, which can work for sure. And it, you have to know the market. I mean, the towns are, are so varied that the one thing's going to work 
better somewhere than somewhere else. But if you're able to find something and you buy it, you know, then you've got, you've already crossed the staff uh, threshold. You know, you've got more hygienists, you got more space. Uh, you do have to manage the debt on it, but you know, it's a whole different thing to manage multiple people as opposed to manage growth. And I think it's easier. Mm. So I, I would be looking at refine your clinical skills and find a good target and, and try to buy it. That's a really interesting point that you made, actually. Um, the choice could be what's easier for you. Is it easier to manage growth or is it easier to manage people? Uh, you know, right. And you, you answered that question for yourself. Um, but for, for the listeners, that may be something that you may want to ponder. That's not likely part of the curriculum that you, you know, were, you know, at school, with all due respect, you know, to all the schools do a great job teaching how to be a clinician. There's just not a whole lot of business aspects to it. Um, you know, and any business owner, um, myself and, you know, my partner included, you know, we're like, you know, freaking frat. I mean, we can be, our personalities are totally different. Um, but we want exactly the same thing. And even having a, a partner, we still have advisors. So you have to have some people that are, that you totally trust that are, you know, have eyeballs maybe on, cause you can't see everything, you know? And so, um, how do you find those advisors? Um, I, me personally, that's been part of, uh, the journey as well, because you, you know, you're bringing people into something that's very, it's like your baby, it's your family, it's your kids, like, you know, your business. Um, and so to find people that can add value that you trust, you know, completely, you know, I mean, we have a small circle of our, our board of advisors and I'd like to thank all of them that are listening. Um, so I appreciate you. Um, but what do you guys think about that? How do you guys seek counsel? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it open-ended. So, um, Ted, or we'll go Ted first. And Phil just went, how do you guys, how do you feel you guys seek quality counsel? How are you able to attain that? And I don't mean just us. I mean, just in general. Well, to be honest with you, I'd say that y'all have probably been one of our best advisors. We, uh, as Philip alluded to earlier, we, knew we had a problem we just didn't really know exactly what the problem was let alone how to fix it and then uh so y'all are one of the when i refer people to y'all that's uh probably the best advice i can give them so i mean i really appreciate accountants and their own attorneys and there's no shortage of those guys but uh sure i'll have a there's not a lot of people in your space and Y'all have gained our trust and done an amazing job for us. So I'm extremely happy to share a referral with uh, a colleague because it's all I know. It's just going to help their practice. That's awesome. And for the record, right? I did not pay you to say that. That is true. Although you can, <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely you're definitely on my Christmas card list, for sure. Um, uh, Philip, do you have any comments kind of on that? And again, kind of more geared to, um, you know, folks that are like, they're listening to podcasts because they're trying to learn, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. and so if you're like, you know, here's kind of what you need to think about, what would you say as far as those? Cause, and, and 
Uh, let me preface. I didn't want to totally preface the question, but I personally feel like there's a lot of noise out there right now. Um, and that for some reason, Facebook is a source of uh, information. Um, just because you read it on Facebook doesn't mean much. Um, and there's also, uh, there's, there's some folks out there that their advice, look, to be George and polite, I raise an eyebrow. Um, and so how do you work through that noise? You know, or how would you advise some folks to filter? Well, so that, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about when it's time to grow, you, there's a certain amount of risk tolerance. Um, you have to, you have to have a, a, a team of, of professionals uh, to help you out, you know, legal CPA um, and such. But, you know, there's, they might not be the best for you and there's really no way to know. So you vet them, you ask your friends, which is pretty much the only way you can tell with the, with you know professional services is get feedback from people that you know so you know starting out your network you know go to the meetings go to your alumni meetings and enjoy and get on the internet forums and stuff like that and take your best guess and just jump in and the but you gotta if it doesn't work out you gotta understand that you can part ways with uh, with some of these people and just move on and that's and you'll find that patients are going to leave you even though you you really like them and you just you realize that it's not a a forever relationship so if you gotta you gotta be able to say this is not you're not taking me in the direction i need to go let's find someone else and and i've tried and same with there are a million consultants that can help you out and and some can really help you and can give you insight and, and others can't and um if you do nothing, you should expect nothing in return. So, you you know, the, the question is, are your decisions right or not? And you can't go look that stuff up, but do, you know, make some movements and, and find some people to work with. But tell them we're moving on if it doesn't work. I have known several people that have just been stuck in a rut and saying, gosh, you know, this is I'm really not happy with where things are going, but they won't ever. You know, they won't ever make a call and say, I'm going to end my relationship and move on to something else. So uh, that mm-hmm. that hurts to see that. And uh, because you can you can get really in neutral in a, in a dental practice because we're different where the, the management is basically non-existent and we're on the assembly line. And so you can get bogged down in, in the shade, how good your shades match on porcelain and the margins and the, and the chemical stuff. And that's great and, and important. You got to have a good product, but you got to spend some quality time on the management side and how are you going to grow? Cause, cause really the growth management questions uh, and the things I've struggled with in the years past were completely different than now. Cause Ted and I are not, we're not looking to add four or five more offices or, or anything like that. And, and so we have we have different priorities um, and different goals with with our questions when we talk about the future of the practice and uh, recognize that your your the the time in your career changes your priorities and um, you can't always be looking at the same stuff but then you know you got to recognize it's time to to change uh, change your direction and that might mean a change of crew helping you out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really good commentary. And you know, I was driving down to Florida today. I listened to a different podcast, uh, the Bulletproof Dentist. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, and they were talking about balance is a myth, and it has to do with the really kind of your cycle of life, and you just have to be okay with sometimes you're walking, and sometimes you're jogging, and sometimes you're sprinting. Um, and I thought that that was a really good, candid, and honest conversation that I really like. So shout out to those guys. Um, and so before we leave today, is there anybody that you would like to shout out, give thanks to, um, or mention um, publicly? on this particular radio show, Ted. I would like to shout out to my beautiful wife, Nicole. Very good. Nicole Smith, big shout out. You're famous now. You're welcome. Uh, Philip. Well, I hate to sound repetitive, but I mean, y'all, y'all have really been that, that that group that has helped us the most. I mean, Taylor in real specific needs and uh, specific instruction with specific results. Um, you know, you overlook the fundamentals like that a lot of times and y'all, y'all are at the top of the list. We've been, we've been thrilled. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I almost thought you were going to say, well, I hate to sound repetitive and then say Ted's wife too. I know. I was going well, to be awkward. Thing. So I'll, I'll text him. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why he had the uh, the mailman outfit in his office. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Mayor John Ray, the unofficial mayor of North Fulton, and everybody at Business Radio X. We appreciate all of your time and your expertise. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout out to the entire team over at Practice Quotient. Uh, Rachel, Jordan, Nikki, Scott, Tony, Donald, and that guy, Patrick, he keeps talking. He's a, he's an all right guy though, but practice quotient, PPO analysis and negotiation. Thank you so much for sponsoring our show. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Ted Park City's dental group. If people want to find you, how do they get in touch with you? Parkcitysdentalgroup.com. Very good. Excellent. All right. So with that, uh, we're going to wrap up this show and I hope everybody has a terrific weekend. Uh, thank you so much, Philip. Thank you so much, Ted. I appreciate you. Thank, thank you. you.